Hello and welcome to the Serving Up Clutch Tennis podcast. Uh, we're joined again this week by Jack and Luke. So hello, guys. Good afternoon. Hello there. Um, last week was the Australian Open, so one of the Grand Slams. So a great week for tennis, uh, or great two weeks even. And it ended up with Novak Djokovic winning, which, I mean, shouldn't really be a surprise to anyone. But there you go. It's the way the cookie crumbles. Um we had some decent picks, I think, last week out. But to tell us exactly how well we did, um, I'll hand over to Luke to just give us a bit of a recap. Yeah, I feel like it's, it's something we don't do enough of on this podcast is reviewing what, what went well and what went badly. So I thought I'd just give a brief recap of of the uh, results of the last fortnight. Uh, I'll start with the outright. Uh, I feel like it was pretty hard to, to make profit here, considering we all had uh, different selections. Um I had Djokovic at 13 to 10, which came in. Um, my wildcard sits the pass fell in the semis. Uh, Charlie's outright was team, and his wildcard was Berrettini, which both lost. Um, Jack's outright was Djokovic without dropping a set, uh, which did not come in. Um, but his wildcard, Medvedev, at 5 to 1, came in each way. Uh, so overall, we were down, uh, down 3.55 units for that. Uh, moving on to the Akers, which were much more successful. Um, my Acker lost by one leg. It was Dan Evans that let me down. Um, but Jack's accumulator, Dimitrov, Krenia Booster, McDonald and Berrettini came in at 3.04 to 1. And Charlie's accumulator, Krenia Booster, Lajovic, Sanego, Fognini came in at 5.16 to 1. Uh, so overall, uh, 7.2 units of profit for the Akers. Uh, then moving on to the value picks, if you don't follow us on at Serving at Clutch on Twitter, then you really should do because uh, we've put out quite a lot of value picks um, over the fortnight uh, with varying success. Um, we had Popperin to beat Goffin at 11 to 4, which came in. Manorino to beat Kekmanovic 13 to 10, which came in. Um, other wins were McDonald to beat Harris and Berrettini to beat Kachanov in a double at 1.94 to 1. Um, Karatsev to beat uh, Auger Aliasim at 3-2. to two. Um, That was it for the wins, but the, the odds were decent. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll summarise the losses quickly. Uh, threefold, Popperin, Fognini, Goffin, uh, Brankis to beat Kachanov, Kiros to beat Team, Fognini to beat Nadal, and Zverev to beat Djokovic, and a double of Medvedev to beat Rublev, Nadal to beat Sitspas. Um, but overall, we are Still up 1.49 units for that. Um, so overall, uh, for the tournament, we were up 5.14 units. Um, I think it's, it's pretty good going, but we'll see if we can try and better that this week. Yeah, so, so I mean, any profit is good, to be honest. If we're in the green, that's where you want to be. And, I mean, that's a pretty sizable profit. So, I mean, it depends what your bankroll is, really, as to what you what one unit is to you. But... For some of those people who are kind of more uh, professional within their betting, that's a that's a large gain for a bankroll five or units. So, um, so pretty good all in all. Um, anyway, we'll we'll move on to to this week now. So thank you for that, Luke. Um, and uh, this week we have the Singapore Montpellier and Cordoba tournaments. Um, I believe we have a bit of a variety of surfaces this, is this week um, in that we have Cordoba on the clay, we have Montpellier and Singapore on the indoor hards. Um, 
the entry list, I think we'll all agree, are a little bit underwhelming, to be honest. Um, lots of names that you traditionally see in challenger events, but that's normally to be expected in the weeks sort of following on from a Grand Slam where a lot of the big players are resting because the events aren't as important to them this week. And they're recovering after two long weeks of quite hard four matches. Um, anyway, we'll, we'll kick off with a, just a few matches that we want to discuss. Um, and I'll let uh, let Jack open up on this one, I think. Thank you. Um, yeah, so um, these are some matches which I, I uh, look forward to watching. I'm not really that engaged in terms of picking a, uh, a clear winner of, this, of these matches. Uh, the first one for me, uh, they're both in Montpellier, actually. First one is Jury Vesely against Mikhail Yuma. Um, is notoriously very fast in, in Montpellier, and I think this will be a good match because Vesely's obviously got a, a big serve and, and is generally actually pretty good on all services, but the big serve gives him a big advantage in the far, on the fast courts. While Yuma actually put in a very good performance uh, at the Australian Open in similarly uh, quick conditions, albeit outside, got to the third round, I think, of the Australian Open. Um, so, yeah, I just thought that it, it's a, a good match. A, a, a com- uh, conflict of styles. Um, I actually don't really know which way I'm leaning towards here. Um, I feel like if Vesely serves badly, it becomes very uh, heavily favoured in Yuba's favour because he is better from the back of the court uh, and a great defender, which um, is the reason why he can do well in these quick courts is his is level of, of defence. Um and will draw errors from players who think that they should have hit sort of three or four winners before, um, and the point's still going on. Uh, so slightly favoured towards Yuma for me in this match, but I just thought it'd be it'll be a really interesting match between two decent players uh, on a nice quick surface, which we don't see enough of on the ATP tour. Um, and my other one, which I think we're all looking forward to, is uh, Songa in his first match in over a year since the uh, last Australian Open in 2020 against the emerging Corda. Um, I don't actually know which way this is going to go either. If it was in any other country but France, um, I would say it would go the way of Corda, but a bit less convinced in France. Um, two big servers. Um, it's just interesting for me because it's a, a bit of a changing of the guard. It's a, a guy who was a, a mainstay of the tour in the in the uh, early 2010s compared to a growing player from the future who I expect could easily break the top 50 this year. Um, it'll be another interesting serving matchup because they've both got big serves. Um, just interested in terms of the the young against old um, uh, <laughs> feeling of the matchup. Um, I don't know what your opinions are on that match because I know both of you are looking forward to it as well. Um, I'm going to jump straight in. And before I talk about Song on Court, I'm just going to jump in about the Vesely match and just say I completely agree with what you've said, although I'm leaning the other way. I'm leaning towards Vesely. I think he has looked re- relatively solid in um, sort of the Aussie Open. I didn't think he looked terrible. And so have liked him over the last sort of six to 12 months anyway. Um, I think the big serve on the quick surface is going to give him the edge. And I think 10 to 11 is pretty good odds on him. Um, as for the Songer and Corder match, um, it's one that I actually had picked out myself as well for the discussion of this. Um, but... I think two to one is good value on Songa. You don't know quite what he's going to deliver. So you wouldn't want to put him in an accumulator because there's a strong chance he's going to come out and be miles off the pace. And against somebody who's in fine form like Corder, who's a big server, not going to give you that many cheap points. Um, 
that's not you can't afford to be off the pace. But on an indoor hard court that's quick with the big serve that he's got and arguably one of the best forehands that the tour ever has seen historically, I would be scared to ever go the other way because you don't know what he's going to deliver despite not playing for a year. Um, uh, yeah, I'll I'll, I'll just jump in quickly. Um, I don't really have anything to add on, on Vesely the email. I think it's a pretty 50-50 matchup, really. I, I wouldn't be wouldn't be touching it. Um, personally, I, I think Songa's decent value at two to one, um, just because he he still has the quality um, to beat anyone. Certainly, someone of, of Corda's ability at this stage. Um, he also, he also played a challenger last week, quarter and lost in straight sets in the first round to Popco, which is not not good uh, good result there. So yeah, if, uh, if I'm betting on anyone in this, I'm I'm going Songa. Okay, uh, and Jack, you said that you were you were going to jump in there. Yeah, I was just going to say that. Um, remember, I can't remember exactly what the problem is, but Songa has an issue with travelling these days, which means that he's. I think he's bedridden for like three days after traveling. And obviously being in France, this won't be the case, which in a strange way would push me more towards him because I still think he's got great ability. If um, fully functioning, it's just whenever he's abroad, he finds it difficult to be fully functioning. I don't doubt that he's still probably a top 50 player. If he's, if he's playing in, in all the right conditions for him, I just wanted to add that little bit of a variable in. Uh, yep, yeah, fine. And um, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll rattle through through my couple. Now, as I say, Songa versus Cordal is one of mine. We've already discussed. I'm leaning the way of Songa. The other point I would add to that is that Corda he hasn't really beaten, other than in the French Open, where it was a bit strange, and he beat John Isner, and he beat John Isner again in Delray. Um, I don't think he's beaten any particularly large names. And I know Songa isn't a large name anymore because... He hasn't played for a year, but it's still that reputation. And I just wonder if that might get the better of him. Um, so moving on from that one, my other match that I was going to talk about is uh, Chris Eubanks, the American, mm. taking on Alexi Papyrin. Mm. So Eubanks, 11-8 to eight underdog, and Papyrin, 4-7 to seven favorite. Um, very interesting that Eubanks is uh, stepping up here for the, the main draw of an ATP event. Uh, you don't see him up at this level too often. And Alexi Papyrin, somebody who had a decent outing at the Aussie Open, um, and we all know the, the quality that he possesses. Both guys, absolute slingshot servers. So it's going to be a match where you'd expect maybe one or two tie breaks. Um, but you, I think this match is going to come down to, to where Eubanks is at. If his serving quality is there, it's going to be very close. If it's not, which I've seen many times from him, he gets broken far too often for somebody who possesses the quality of serve that he has. Um, then I think Papyrin could easily run away with this in straights. So to me, I actually think Papyrin is quite good value here at four to seven. I think he's far better from the back of the court, but it is sort of a semi lottery of Eubanks at times as to whether or not he, if he finds the court with those laser like ground strokes and serves where he's almost swinging for the fences, there's very little anyone on planet Earth can do. And I don't think Papyrin has the game to keep him pinned back behind the baseline with heavy spin. So um, it's tough because if Eubanks does play that way, Papyrin won't be able to do anything about it. I just think that's far less likely to happen than the odds would suggest. Um, would you like our thoughts on it? 
uh, yeah, sorry. Uh, if you want to, uh, anyone want to jump in from there? Yeah, no, actually, I, I thought I did look at this actually. Um, yeah, of course, it's a little bit like the um, Songa Corda match in terms of big server against big server. Um, whilst, yeah, I think if one has a bad serving day, it swings it in the other favour. Um, if both have bad serving days, for example, I think it would very much suit, I think, suit Papyrin. So I, I think the eventualities are more likely to suit Papyrin. Uh, who's just a better tennis player, I think. Um, we don't know how quick it's going to be. It's not going to be slow because it's indoors, but we, we're not too sure on the court surface. But I'd just say that the more variables that are present, I'd say that more of them would suit Papyrin more than Eubanks. So I'd agree with you on the winner of the match, in my opinion. Fab. Um, and any any thoughts on that, Luke? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with you, Charlie. I think Popperin is, is decent value here just because I think from the back of the court, he's much better than Eubanks. Um, and as you said, it's likely to come down to a couple of tie breaks. And Poprin has a has a decent record in tie breaks. In the Aussie Open, he he won a couple, I'm pretty sure. Um, in his matches, he, he played some pretty clutch points from from what I remember. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm backing Poprin all the way here. Okay, fantastic. And Luke, if you want to just round things off here by just talking about a couple of things that caught your eye this week. Yeah, so I'll start in uh, Montpellier and uh, go with Andy Murray against uh, Igor Gerasimov. Uh, Murray's 4-9 to favourite, uh, Gerasimov 7-4 underdog. Um, I'm, I'm going to stick my neck out here. And I'm, I, I think Andy Murray is, is decent value um, just because watching him in Biela Two week, uh, two weeks ago, he he looked pretty good. Um, from what I saw, moving pretty well. Um, yeah, got got some decent wins. Got got beaten pretty convincingly in the final, but um, nevertheless, I was impressed. Um, Garasimov, on the other hand, um, in the Aussie Open, he, he beat Pair in the first round. I mean, well done. I think I think I fancy my chances against Pair at the moment. Um, and then I, I know I know Karatsev is playing really well and got to semis, but lo- losing Love One and Love, you know, on on a quick con- in quick conditions where it should be easy to hold serve. I mean, that's that's very poor at, th- at this level, really. Um, and f- furthermore, I, I, I don't think it's a good matchup. I think Murray will make it just just make life tough for him, just slicing it, keeping it low, getting getting balls back. Um, so I'm, I'm backing Murray here. Um, I don't know what your thoughts are, guys. Uh, yeah, I agree, personally. Um, Murray's a bit of a tough one at the minute because uh, his level, his ceiling is very, very, very high, but I just don't think he can reach that ceiling. Um, I mean, his loss to Marchenko was very concerning, to be honest, <laughs> even though I don't think he actually created a breakpoint chance against somebody who, in my eyes, isn't that good at anything. Um, so yeah, I think it's value, but that's more so based on the fact that I don't think Grasimov is gonna gonna turn up. Um, yeah, I agree too. I think there's more value to be taken on Murray in early rounds. I mean, understandably, you know, you can't, you can not question his fitness, but I think it's understandable that as we get to latter rounds in tournaments, he starts to fade. I mean, he's hardly played any matches for about four years um so in early rounds i'd be more inclined to take him on especially having had a week off um and as we know 
quick conditions, it doesn't get much quicker than Montpellier, is where Murray's at home. Um, Alex Betton's draw a lot of errors out of Jurassic And as long as he returns anywhere near what he's capable of, I'd, I'd expect a, a good win. And he should be able to um, hold serve easily as well with Jurassic poor return game and the serve helping him out. So, yeah, I think Murray's probably good value here, actually. Cool. So, so Luke, if you want to give us your last one now. Uh, yeah, my, my last one heading over to uh, Cordova on the clay is uh, Marco Cecinato against uh, Hugo Delian. Um, Cecinato is one to two. I don't know Delian's orders. I assume they're three to two. Um, again, I, I think Cecinato is, is good value here. Um, watching him at the back end of last year on the clay, I was very impressed. It was looking more like the Cecinato we saw get to the semis of the French Open, beating Djokovic along the way. Um, got, he got to the final in Sardinia, uh, ATP, and lost, uh, lost to Laszlo Gera, who's a very very accomplished clay quarter himself. What an event that was. What an <laughs> event. Um, yeah, and I just think he's, he's got much more to his game than Delian. He's got those, those outrageous drop shots. Um, and better, better quality from the back of the court. So yeah, I think I think he should come through this one fairly comfortably. Yeah, I, I agree. And to be honest, I don't really have much more to add than what you've said there. <laughs> so Jack? yeah, no, I agree as well. Um, yeah, I expect Sechnato to go deep in a few tournaments during this swing. To be honest, so yeah, I agree. If he doesn't go deep in the tournaments in this swing, he's pretty stuffed because this is where all his points lie. So. Um... Yeah, he's he's got to pull it out of the bag. Um, right, I'll run through through my accumulator outrights and wildcards, and then I'll, I'll hand over to you guys. So I'll start with my my accumulator, which is nice and easy because it's all matches we've discussed so far. So I've gone for Papyrin to beat Eubanks at four to seven. Um, the big serving battle where Papyrin's the marginally better from the back of the court. I think he's going to edge it. I've gone for Jerry Vesely to beat Mikhail Yuma at ten to eleven. I just think he could very easily barnstorm that match by his big serving and coming through a, maybe one or two return games with enough uh, firepower, if you will, to hurt Yuma. Yuma gets broken most sets he plays. It's just whether or not he can break. And Vesely can very easily take the racket out of your hands. So it, it sits well with me uh, on a quick court, that one. And I've gone for Setsunato to beat Hugo Delian. Um, as you've said, the variety that he possesses against somebody who, to be honest, is just your your modern day clay quarter who's happy to rip the ball from anywhere. Um, I think he's just, he's got too much ability for Delian. Um, that all in all comes to seven to two. So not my most adventurous accumulator I've ever gone for, but still good value. Um, my outrights, I've gone for Manorino to win Singapore at 11 to two. I think the, uh, the, the sort of game style that Manorino possesses is going to be dangerous on uh, firstly, an indoor hard court, and secondly, against the type of opposition and potential mentalities you're likely to see in an event like this. Somebody who's willing to grind out every match he plays will frustrate people when there's not as many points on offer as there are in other events. Um, so some of those higher caliber players whose mentality might not be quite there after a Grand Slam, I think it's the ex exactly the kind of event Manorino is likely to sweep up in. Um, and he can really hurt people as well by um, sort of that grind and the the quality sort of that he possesses uh hurting um uh, sorry the the, possess, uh, the quality he possesses hitting 
off both wings really and just not missing. So Manorino to me is good value there. Um, for Montpellier, I've gone for Hugo Humbert. I think having a home player who's in such fine form like him, it, it's good value at 13 to 2. Um, I think he's far better than those odds suggest. I, I think Yannick Sinner's in this draw, which does complicate things a little bit. But if you go each way on him, I think there's a good chance. Um, and uh, Cordoba, I've gone for for Marco Cecchinato at 18 to 1. There are some good names in that draw, especially for, for clay quarters. I was just surprised to see him sort of halfway down the odds list, um, given what he's done historically and that this is, as you say, the swing where he's most at home. I think those odds are pretty, pretty strange. It's also weird because my wild card has shorter odds than um, Sechenato. But um, my wild card, I've gone for Sir Andy Murray. Um, I don't think it's likely that he's going to win, but I think the conditions suit him. I think the fact he's taken a week off, not playing that second challenger, will help him. And I think other than his final in the first challenger in Balea, I don't think he looked bad. I don't think he looked anywhere near his best as well, which is almost promising. Any other player on planet Earth, you'd be saying that's negative if they're not playing at their best. But Andy Murray, because he's got so much room, we know where his ceiling is. That's a positive because it's all going in the right direction. So there's there's no reason why he couldn't pull out some huge wins this week. Um, so that's uh, that's my lot. Um, so I'll hand over maybe to, to Jack next. Okay. Um, which tournament did you start with? Montpellier? Uh, uh, if you're doing your outrights, I started with Singapore. Oh, Akka, okay, yeah, sorry. Uh, yeah, so I've gone for a, a fairly simple Akka, to be honest. I don't really see some huge um, value. I, since we started speaking, I do like your uh, Poprin pick. I didn't really think about it just because I don't like building on two big servers in case, you know, tie breaks can be decided by one or two points. Um, so I've just gone very simple. I've gone... Uh, a name that I'm definitely looking out for this week, uh, Serendolo, to beat Gianluca Maggia at 4-9. to nine. Um, I'm very impressed with Serendolo. He's got just a, a, I think I spoke about it a couple of weeks ago, the modern clay quarter, just big forehand. Um, but also a backhand, which can hold up, unlike some of the clay quarters around him. Uh, and since Maggia got to, where did he get to the final? Big final ATP. Delray. No, Marja. Wasn't it? Yeah, it was uh, in Marja made the semis in Delray, I think, didn't he? Lost to Christian Harris. On clay. Is it Rio? Oh, oh yes. It yeah. was Rio, yeah. Yeah, and since then, he's kind of fallen off a bit. It's like he, he got you know uh, into a decent position from from there, um, which meant he could get into Grand Slams and main tour events and has kind of just sort of lost, maybe even just lost a bit of motivation, which can happen. Um, and Serandolo has won something like 25 out of his last 28 matches or something like that. It's, it's ridiculous. And I think he has another final this week. Um, so, yeah, uh, that one for me. Uh, another one at 2-7, to seven, I think it is, is Jaime Munar to beat Nicholas Jarry. Um, Jarry needs rhythm um, with his, his star was very low percentage. Um, and he hasn't got that rhythm because he's only just recently come back from his doping ban. And the player you do not want to play when you need to be making some balls and getting to a rhythm is Jaime Munar. Not the most talented player, um, but someone who will fight every point, make every ball. Um, it's not a good matchup for Jerry. Um, so, yeah, I think that's just going to be a, a fairly comfortable win. 
Uh, at same odds, I believe I've gone for Radu Albot to beat JP Smith. Uh, Albot is another one I'm looking forward to to watching this week. Um, JP Smith relies a lot on on court craft and servant volley, and Albot's got the quality to deal with that. He's also very good at that thing, at that sort of play himself. He's got nice hands, nice feel. Um, I expect him to come through that quite comfortably. And finally, I think it's two to nine. I've got Lloyd Harris to beat Andreev. Lloyd Harris is another name who I think could go deep this week after a good week at the Australian Open. Uh, in terms of an outright, I'm put off him because he is notoriously quite bad at staying switched on for long periods of time. Um, but in terms of a one-off match here against someone where he's deservedly heavy favourite, I don't see any reason why he can't come through this match. Uh, so that's my accumulator at 1.84 to 1. Not the most adventurous, but just matches where I, I couldn't really see a loss. Um, outright, um, Cordoba. Uh, I have gone for my main uh, pick is Tiago Montero. Um, someone who I was very impressed with at the Australian Open. Um, I think he's finding a good spot in his game. He's, it, this tournament's a little bit at, at altitude. Um, which will suit him because he's one of those clay quarters who is is more of an aggressive type. It's heavy balls um, rather than someone who who looks to make balls and just sit at the back of the court. Uh, I don't think he's made an ATP final, but this is this tournament and this swing is quite often the birthplace of some players' ATP careers. So um, wouldn't be surprised if he went deep. Um, Montpellier. I have also taken Hugo Umber. Um I just think that this is such a heavily bias to the French tournament um, there's a lot of past finalists and past winners that are French, I don't know the exact numbers but it's a very high number and also he's actually just deservedly one of the favourites anyway um, I'm not sold on Yannick Sinner on really fast indoor hard courts yet um, I think he's better on clay um, and I think he is the tournament favourite, I'd actually expect Umber to, to beat him on a, on a surface like this um, so yeah uh, Amber and in Singapore, I've gone for Radu Albot. Um, I considered Lloyd Harris. I think Malarino is, is actually a deserved favourite as well. Uh, and Albot is scheduled to meet Malarino in the quarters. Um, but Albot, after a few injury issues, has actually found some form again, played quite well at the Australian Open. Um, I think that match between him and Malarino in the quarterfinals will actually be a big determinant as who wins the event. Um, both sort of similar styles, both don't look to hit their opponent off the court, so it would really just depend who's who's on form that day, really. Um, but yeah, it's a big price as well. Uh, so I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how deep he can go. And my wild card this week is um, the aforementioned Serendolo at 33 to 1. Uh, Clay, you can just can't underestimate the um, how important surface warmth is. Um, and obviously he's been playing on clay for the last couple of months with a ridiculous win-loss record uh, and the rhythm on the surface as well. Like, I, I don't think I think that's why people like Schwartzman probably won't win the event. And I think my main takeaway from uh, Cordoba and, and Singapore is that it's just a massive week to go big on your outright. I think you could see some pretty random winners compared to Montpellier with a more um, mainstream field. I'd be more looking towards backing the favourites um, not necessarily, we don't necessarily have to agree on the personnel, it's just the, the type of personnel. I think there's a very set structure in the three tournaments this week. Big underdogs in 
in Singapore and Cordoba and um, favourites in, in Montpellier. Yeah, so I, I agree with pretty much everything you said. There was there was one part of your accumulator I wasn't sure on, actually. Um, what, what was in your accumulator again? Uh, Serendola to beat Marja, Munar to beat Jarry, Albert to beat Smith, and Harris to beat Andreev. That was it. It was, it was Munar to beat Jarry. I looked at that match, and that, to me, just screamed a void. I, I know that Jarry has looked terrible since his return, but... I don't know. I, I just don't fancy someone who can't serve playing against somebody who theoretically could just serve bombs all match. Um, but I, I completely get the logic on it anyway. Um, anyway, Luke, do you want to round things off with yours then? Yeah, sure. Um, most of my accumulator matches we've already discussed. I've also gone for Pop Prince beat Eubanks at uh, 8 to 13, I found. Um, gone for Chechenato to beat Delian at 1 to 2. Um, I've gone for Murray to beat Gerasimov at 4-9. to nine. Then the one we haven't discussed um, is Lorenzo Senego to beat Hugo Gaston at 4-9. to Senego, um, despite despite a very strange loss to um, Jason Kubler in, in Melbourne, he, he followed it up with a, a very convincing win over Sam Querrey, which is uh, pretty impressive on on quick conditions, even though Sam Querrey is not is not playing well at the moment. Um, Gaston, ever since it, that that breakthrough week at the French Open, his form has been pretty underwhelming, to be honest, um, and hasn't hasn't be, been anyone with the with the ability of of Senego. Um, and I think I think he'll he'll like the indoor conditions as well. Um, we saw him get to the final in Vienna and take Djokovic apart, really. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm back in Senego there. So those four of Popperin, Cheshinato, Murray, and Senego comes in at four points zero six to one, which I think is pretty pretty tasty odds, to be honest. Uh, moving into the outrights, I completely agree with you, Jack. I think uh, Cordoba and uh, Singapore are the ones to go big, just because they I could I can see there being a very random winner. Um, but starting with Montpellier, I've, I've also gone for Hugo Umber. Um, for, for the reasons he said, um, his, his draws are also pretty good. Um, he gets Bautista Gut in the quarters, who's had his injury issues recently and didn't look overly impressive in the ATP Cup. Um, then a semi against potentially either Lajovic or Struff, which I'd, I'd make him a heavy favourite for that. Um, yeah, I think 6 1, especially if you go each way. Pretty decent odds there. Um, Cordoba, I've gone. I've also gone for Sheshinato at eighteen to one. I think that price is is far too high to be honest, given the quality that he possesses um, and the lack of of big big names in this field. Um, and similarly, in Singapore, I've gone for Sunwoo Kwon at twenty to one. Um, again, this field is is really not very strong. Um, he's just come off the back of a challenger win in Biela today. He beat um, he beat Jung, Markora, Marden, Donskoy, and Musetti um, to win the title, dropping just one set a week. So he's, he's in good form. Um, it was also an indoor hard, um, and I, th- I think the the quick indoor hard uh, conditions will suit him. Um, and look at, look at his draw. He's on the, he's in the non Manorino half. He gets 
Chilich in the quarters and we've talked at length about how none of us rate Chilich anymore on this podcast. And then either Harris or Millman in the semis, potentially. You'd think he's got a good chance against one of those. Um, so I think each way is a, is a decent bet here. Uh, my wild card, sticking with Singapore, I've gone for Alexi Popperin. Um, I think he's he's got the weapons to go very deep here in a in a very weak field. He played pretty well in Australia, taking up Goffin in five. And again, I think that I think the quick conditions will suit him. Um, and he also falls in the non the non Manorina half. So I, I think twenty five to one is is a pretty decent price. Yep, I I agree with with all of that there that you've said. Um, any thoughts? Any thoughts, Jack? Uh, what was the match you said that we hadn't talked about yet? Ah, oh, uh, Gaston. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I I understand where you're coming from. Um, it's just that if there's one thing that can transform a Frenchman's form, it's playing in France. Um, and Gaston has got the flair to to win that match, I think. And I'm not actually sold on Senego. I know he beat Sam Querrey, but he's notoriously crap in in hot and, well, just in Australia, to be honest. Yeah. I, I looked at this match and everything screams Senego should win. But it is, as you say, I do not want to touch Hugo Gaston. I don't know what he's going to bring to the table. And playing in France, it's just uh, a nightmare, really. So I think, you, I think you will win on that one. But it's, it's a a bit of a danger zone for me. Um, anyway, so I think that sort of concludes everything that we needed to talk to uh, talk about this week. Um, I think we're going to see, as we've all touched on, some strange results, so don't be surprised. And just be cautious with any bets that you put on this week because I think go for your longer odds and don't expect things to necessarily come in because I don't know what we're going to get. Um, if we come out in the green, we, we've done very well here. So a bit of a an advanced warning, if you will. Um, anyway, so thank you guys for, for joining me this week. Thank you, Charlie. Thanks. Um, and as Luke touched on earlier, um, each week we'll now do a bit of a recap about how we do. Uh, so you'll, you'll know whether or not we're in the green or red. So whether to trust our picks or not. Um, and if you don't already follow our Twitter page at serving up clutch, um, I would, because as, as we touched on there, we, we had some decent profit that was found just, Purely on our Twitter picks as well. So so please do give that a follow. Um, so thanks again and uh, join us next week.